Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Dutchabo Inc. third quarter 2021 earnings call. Today's conference is being recorded. All participants are currently in a listen-only mode. Following the presentation, we will open the line for a Q&A session for analysts. Instructions will be provided at that time for research analysts to ask questions. We ask that analysts please limit themselves to two questions and return to the queue for any follow-ups. I'd now like to turn the conference over to Dutch Able's Investor Relations, Dennis Fong. Please go ahead, Dennis. Thank you, operator. Before we begin, Dutch Able would like to remind listeners that certain information discussed today may be forward-looking in nature. Such forward-looking information reflects the company's current views with respect to future events. Any such information is subject to risks, uncertainties, and assumptions that could cause actual results to differ materially from those projected in the forward-looking statements. For more information on the risks, uncertainties, and assumptions relating to forward-looking statements, please refer to the CHABO's public filings, which are available on CDAR and EDGAR. During the call, we will reference certain non-IFRS financial measures. Although we believe these measures provide useful supplemental information about our financial performance, they're not recognized measures and do not have standardized meanings under IFRS. Please see our MDNA for additional information regarding our non-IFRS financial measures, including reconciliations to the nearest IFRS measures. Please note that unless otherwise stated, all references to any financial figures are in U.S. dollars. Now I'd like to turn the call over to Docebo CEO, Claudio Erba. So everybody, and thank you for joining us on our third quarter 2021 earning call. With me today is Alessio Artufo, our president and CRO, and I'm happy to be welcoming Sukara Mehta, our acting CFO, on his first earning call. Over the past year, we have seen the momentum in our business accelerate, and this carried through the third quarter as, am I, as I'm excited to report another quarter of 60-plus percent revenue and ARR growth. Despite the summer holiday in Europe, which in general is a headwind for us, we had record and net ARR addition driven by record new logo sales, and strong upsell and cross-sell performance. The investment that we have made in our customer experience and success team have helped to build and support a strong pipeline of enterprise customers that have driven substantial growth in average contract value. We added 151 net new customers in the third quarter. While our growth remains balanced and broad-based across customer verticals, the frequency of the larger enterprise deals has increased as more leading organizations are turning to the table to solve their employee, customer, and partner training needs. And in the current labor environment, where there is a war on talent for skilled workers, the LMS has become an important tool to improve employee retention. In the third quarter alone, we signed significantly more new deals with ARR greater than 100,000 US dollars, compared to the second quarter of 2021. 
In fact, nearly half of new logo business this quarter came from contracts over $100,000 in ARR. Our success this quarter has not been tied to a handful of large contract wins, but as this organization adopts the Chebo even at departmental level, they generally have larger use cases. Consistent with our go-to-market strategy, we continue to help organizations solve both internal and external use cases, demonstrating that use cases goes above and beyond industry standard concepts of the traditional LMS. Consistent with the previous quarter, greater than half of our deals in Q3 were external hybrid use cases. One of my favorite examples in the third quarter is an agreement we signed with the Zoom video communications. As an integral part of our day-to-day lives, Zoom selected Ducebo as their trusted learning provider to create personalized learning experience with the ability to robustly scale and service employees, partners, and customers under a single platform. Undoubtedly, this partnership will support their rapidly growing customer base and continue to create an impactful learning journey for their audiences. We are also seeing continuous success in the retail industry, where there is a need to deliver consistent training experiences across large distributed workforce. In Q3, we were delighted to partner with Newman Marcus, the American chain of luxury department store, to help them provide the best-in-class learning solution to accelerate their digital transformation project. Another vertical that has been strong for us has been the biotech and healthcare sector. We added several new customers this quarter, including an agreement with Smith Medical, a leading global manufacturer of specialty medical devices. Smith Medical also invested in the wider Docebo Learning Suite with the selection of Docebo Learning Impact. Upsell and Crosssell were also a strong contributor to our growth in the third quarter. We expanded our partnership with Deliveroo, the grow, to grow the number of learners with their programs. We also tapped into the wider Docebo learning suite by introducing a new way to develop content using Docebo Shape and to measure the effectiveness of the learning program while benchmarking against other companies using Docebo Learning Impact. The flexibility of our platform also allows us to expand to other departments within an organization and address in the third quarter, we were pleased to be awarded an agreement with a new division with one of our largest e-commerce and cloud computing customers. This year, we launched the Chebo Learning Suite of products and began selling the Chebo Learning Impact in the first quarter and Shape and Learning Analytics in the third quarter. Although we are now successfully selling each of those new products, we are still in the early days of this journey. And I expect that demand for our core Learn LMS platform will remain the primary driver of growth in the coming quarters. In early October, we were excited to relaunch and host our annual Inspire User Conference. This time it was virtual, and we had more than 560 customers, partners, analysts, and sponsors join us for two days of live stream content and insight from learning and development experts around the world. 
During the conference, we launched the two new innovative modules that extend the capabilities of our core LMS, Docebo Connect and Docebo Flow. Docebo Connect is a powerful tool that allows any administrator, no matter how technically skilled, to manage the data import-export uh, import process from their LMS across their enterprise tech stack using more than 400 pre-built integrations to a low-code, no-code interface. Docebo Flow takes the power of the core learn LMS and deliver learning in the workflow within the software environment learners are in, so they can get the contextual knowledge they need when and where they need it. Both products are great examples on how we innovate to help organizations connect to the core of their businesses, serving multiple audiences and use cases like customer education, phase enablement, and frontline training and compliance. We consider our learning software a building block to integrate with every other software in the enterprise tech stack. This philosophy and approach set us apart and has been a fundamental driver in our growth. The delivery of knowledge and training is a revenue enabler for many companies, and our OEM and partnership program are designed to enable this capability. Here to date, we have announced six new agreements and expanded the partnership we have had with Blue Water and MHR that were signed in 2020. As we have consistently said in the past, working with our partner to develop and bring solutions to the market takes time. But we know from our experience with our first OEM partner that the returns can become meaningful. MHR, whom we added in 2020, is now in the process of ramping and becoming a more material contributor to our OEM partner business. We expect several more of our recent partners to launch commercial offerings starting in 2022. We believe this will be an exciting growth vector for us in the years to come, and we are increasing our investment to expand our partnership program further, and we share more details in the coming quarter. Lastly, when we spoke last quarter, I touched on some of our intention and effort around ESG, and this is a journey that we are very focused on moving forward. I'm honored that the Cebo was recognized in the third quarter for its CSR effort with the 2021 Tech Care Award from Trust Radius for empowering women in technology with growth opportunities. Instilling a culture of caring is extremely important to our organization, and it is also an important factor in how we attract and retain the best talent. We have a number of internal initiatives underway, including the Cebo Green Ambassador, the Cebo Pride, the Cebo Women's Alliance Webinar for Inclusion and Diversity, recognition of World Mental Health Day, and the Day of Truth and Reconciliation among just a few. I'm proud of the team effort in bringing the environment, diversity, equality, and inclusion to the forefront of our effort as a company. With that, I will now pass the call to Sukaran to speak to the financial. Thank you, Claudio, and good morning, everyone. For those interested, a detailed breakdown of our financial results for the three and nine months ended September 30th, 2021 can be found in our press release, MDNA, and financial statements which are now available on our website and are also filed on CDAR and EDGAR. The slide deck accompanying this earnings call was made available on our investor relations website this morning. 
For those who want to follow along, I'm starting my remarks on slide four. The strong momentum that we demonstrated in the first half of the year continued in the third quarter with total revenue for the period growing to 27.1 million, an increase of 68% from the prior year. Subscription revenue was 25.1 million, representing 93% of total revenue for the quarter and up 66% from the prior year same quarter. Professional services revenue in the third quarter were 2 million, an increase of 102% from the prior year period. As Claudio noted, the 10.2 million net ARR added in the third quarter was the highest ever for Docebo and continued the robust trend of quarterly net ARR additions as shown in slide four. At the end of the third quarter, we had 103.5 million in ARR, an increase of 60% over the 64.6 million in ARR at the end of third quarter of 2020. With 2,636 customers at the end of the third quarter of 2021, our company-wide average contract value, or ACV, increased to $39,000, up 23% from $32,000 at the end of the third quarter of 2020. This quarter, ACV from new customers grew to approximately 59,000 compared to approximately 46,000 in the second quarter nearly 80% of our new logo and cross-sell contracts were multi-year deals. One of the underlying trends that we were excited to see this quarter was the broad-based growth in enterprise deals. Almost half of the ARR generated for new logos this quarter came from deals over $100,000, and there were no deals over seven figures in value. To further emphasize the breadth of our enterprise wins, the quantity of deals signed valued over $100,000 in ARR were almost double when compared to the second quarter. Overall, we are very pleased with the direction that our KPIs are trending, reflecting the continued progress in executing our growth strategy. Moving on to slide five. The growth profit margin for the third quarter was 79% of revenue, which compares to 80% for the second quarter. The slight reduction in gross profit margin is the result of the investments we've made this year in our customer success and professional services team to facilitate the rollout of our multi-product strategy and to further enhance customer support. To be clear, these costs primarily relate to staffing, and we expect to gain leverage on these investments as our revenue scales. We expect to return to low 80% 80 plus percent gross profit margin levels in the next several quarters. On slide six, you can see a summary of our operating expense line. Total operating expense for the third quarter increased to 19.9 million compared to 13.9 million for the prior year period. Included in the 19.9 million of operating expenses is a foreign exchange gain of 4.8 million that relates primarily to the cash on our balance sheet and is, therefore, for the most part, unrealized. Operating costs, excluding this gain, were 24.7 million, slightly higher than the 23.6 million in operating costs reported on a comparable basis in the second quarter of 2021. G&A expense of 6.8 million declined as a percentage of revenue from 27% for the second quarter 
to 25.2% for the third quarter as we realized some further efficiencies from increased scale. Compared to the second quarter, sales and marketing expense increased slightly as a percentage of revenue to 41.2% from 40.8%. R&D expense as a percentage of revenue revenue remained unchanged at 20.2% compared to 20.4% for the second quarter. Heading into 2022, we will continue to invest in sales and marketing, but with a long-term expectation of maintaining expenses as a percentage of total revenue in the range of 35 to 40%. We have always been efficient in the level of capital we deploy to generate organic growth. This will continue to be our approach. Leading with innovation remains core to our DNA, and R&D expenses should remain near our expectations of 20% of revenue. We reported an adjusted EBITDA loss of $2 million for the third quarter of 2021 compared to income of $0.6 million in the prior year period. We reported a net profit of $0.7 million for the third quarter of 2021 compared to $1.2 million net loss for the prior year period. As already noted, the net profit for the third quarter reflects an unrealized foreign exchange gain of $4.8 million. Finally, free cash flow was negative $1 million in the third quarter, and we continue to have a very healthy balance sheet with net cash and cash equivalents of $216 million. Last quarter, we noted that we were finally getting to the point where we expect to begin to realize greater benefits from scale, and I think we started to see this on the GNA line in Q3. We think we will continue to see operating leverage in GNA next year, but as we finalize our 2022 budget, our focus is to continue investing to organically grow revenue as fast as we responsibly can. Our sales pipeline remains very strong and we think is the best use of invested capital given our low customer acquisition costs, which we believe is among the best in class in the SaaS industry. With that, I'll turn it over to the operator now to take some questions from the analyst. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star one on your telephone keypad. Please ensure the mute function on your phone is switched off to allow your signal to reach our equipment. If you find that your question has already been answered, you may remove yourself from the queue by pressing star two. As a reminder, we ask that analysts please limit themselves to two questions and return to the queue for any follow-ups. Again, it's star one to ask a question. We will take the first question from Stephanie Price from CIBC. Hi, good morning. Sounds like the average Morning. It sounds like the average ACV on new deals uh, in the quarter was obviously much higher than the, the total ACV. Um, sounds like enterprise is driving that growth. Just hoping you could break that down a little bit more for us in, in terms of what you're seeing from enterprise this quarter versus prior quarters. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, 
engineering your success. Stephanie, good morning. Alexa speaking. Um, you are correct. We continue to see strength in our enterprise segments um, as a result of investments, but also recognition that our product uh, is mature, scalable, and strong, uh, um, and satisfies the needs of large organizations. When it comes to breaking down the why behind it, um, I'd say that our uh, there is one primary contributing factor, Stephanie, and that is uh, our product is proven to be able to solve for multiple uh, um, um, use cases altogether. We refer to that in our language and in the script as hybrid use cases. But when it comes down to realizing why it also is is producing higher um, uh, ARR and revenue, it's, it's simply we're addressing different users' populations in organization. We're helping organizations retain their people. We're helping organizations keep their customers' experience, uh, you know, uh, uh, high, the customers educated. When, when you're able to do that on a frequent basis, the, the end users uh, uh, on the average contract are higher and they're resulting in higher ACV. That is the biggest trend we're seeing. There's there's certainly a positive momentum from very early still adoption of the product, which we are getting better and better at including in our conversations. And, and despite it being early days for most of these products, uh, we're very satisfied with, with the initial response that the market has been having. Great. And, and maybe on that, that learning suite, maybe you could talk a little bit about the sales approach for the full suite and, and whether you're leading with the learning suite or, or the core modules and any color on, on growth and customers that are signing up for more than one product uh, would be appreciated. 100%. Um, there are several ways to look at the customer journey. And, and the simplest way that encompasses it all, I think, is looking at the first uh, iteration of, the, say, let's say, the new logo. Uh, posture of the company and then uh, at the continued expansion of our customers. We've been uh, clear that our approach to um, um, uh, driving the efforts of learning suite are not to sell the suite uh, at all costs uh, at the stage one, meaning a new logo. We, uh, we would much rather win the trust of our customers and then continue to do an excellent job and continue to solve problems for them rather than squeeze in as much as we can uh, uh, upfront. Um, having said that, the, uh, uh, um, the capability of selling the suite uh, and the way we approach it is it's still very learn-driven. We believe our flagship product, Learn, is uh, the strongest in the market to satisfy enterprise needs of hybrids. And it becomes very natural, again, to uh, then open up the conversation to to other uh, uh, um, to other products. On the on the upsell front, uh, as long as we do an excellent job at at creating uh, intimacy and coverage at the field level of our customers, which we're extremely focused on. Um, again, we we have an opportunity to not only upsell but also cross sell across the entire the customer 360 environment. Um, I hope that answers, Stephanie. It does. Thanks so much. Thank you. We'll now take the next question from Daniel Chan from TD Securities. 
Hi, good morning. Uh, just wonder if you can give us more color on the cross-sell agreement with that uh, e-commerce and cloud computing customer. What will they be doing for you, and what's the agreement structure? In other words, is it like a revenue share model? Any color would be appreciated. Hey, Dan. Um, um, you, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure you understand that um, when we, well, we're not uh, public about actual, you know, logo names. There are certain restrictions that we're subject to as to what we can share. <clears throat> so, um, you know, I, um, I appreciate the question. I'd say, um, along with what Stephanie just asked, that success and that agreement reflects entirely our strategy. That when we sign an organization, and particularly true with organizations that are of a, uh, a very large magnitude geography, uh, um, when they have multiple businesses, one of our jobs is dedicating strategic account management to it, to map and understand the opportunity that we have across the organization. This, this success with this organization is a reflection of that. Um, we, we have a good understanding, deep understanding of our customers' potential. And, and in this case, with this e-commerce and cloud provider, uh, we, you know, we were granted the opportunity to serve another business uh, for, uh, uh, to address their needs. Once again, I would love to give you all the color in the world, um, but, but there are certain terms that we're bound to, and, uh, and I hope you understand. Thank you. Yeah, but that is Claudio speaking. Uh, um, the, the, the way we expand uh, through cross-selling uh, is common uh, on every industry and vertical. I mean, in this case, uh, is an e-commerce vendor, but uh, you can imagine another industry group that have companies across the world or division across the world, and they buy multiple Docebo instances uh, for every parent uh, or sister company. And this is a common use case, expanding not uh, only vertically uh, through you know, having more users or buying more products from the same entity, or the same department, or expand horizontally, buying uh, multiple LMSs, or expanding uh, through the extended enterprise Docebo module, uh, more use cases through a single LMS, but in multiple departments, or multiple division, or multiple companies. It's very common for us. Thanks for that, it's very uh, helpful. Um, and then your customer wins continue to be really good. Um, just wondering whether you're still displacing incumbents or whether these are mostly greenfield opportunities. Thank you. So, uh, you know, the displacement is the pattern in all the enterprise segments. There's no doubt. There's a caveat to that. Uh, that is, that when we talk about addressing the needs of hybrid, of customer workforce, of improving the experience of the customers of our customers, we find that in many instances, even large organizations are not addressing that problem yet. So there is a, if you will, green space within an environment where there are already vendors, but these vendors that are more legacy perhaps, and that were used for compliance or internal training. We're not addressing what we believe is the full scope of the digital learning experience. Again, internal and external. Um, 
On the smaller markets, again, we're very fortunate. We operate horizontally across multiple industries, and we are adopted by companies of different sizes, mid-size and enterprises both. In the smaller size of our uh, uh, customer base, for sure, we find silver organizations are not always equipped with the best-in-class LMS, or they have a very first uh, iteration that they outgrow, and when they do outgrow it, it is our time to step in because, once again, thanks to our scale, architecture, experience, and recognition in the market, we help them uh, get one step ahead and one step further. Great. Thank you. We will take the next question from Gavin Fairweather from Cormac. Oh, hey there. Good morning. Morning. Just, just on the enterprise deals, um, curious, you know, what, what's driving the pickup? Are you seeing more deals entering your funnel or a greater win rate or both? <clears throat> win rates remain uh, uh, fantastic. We, we're very pleased with it. We believe that is a product of a ma many factors. Uh, um, for sure, there is um, 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 a element of recognition in the market because when uh, you have uh, uh, you start having a funnel consistent of enterprises, your brand also gets recognized as the leader, and we we believe that is the case with us. Um, that is also the, the true fact of intentionality. We have been uh, investing in the enterprise segment as we continue to mature our capabilities to satisfy the needs of enterprises. We were more conservative, if you will, in that segment years ago. But as we continue to win um, very large organizations, our strategy has been to uh, drive more enterprise success. Um, and finally, I would say that our customers grow with us. That's the beauty of our business. You know, we may have um, uh, um, customers that have entered in our, uh, uh, if you will, sales funnel and became part of our family uh, in what we would consider mid-market customer. Then over time, due to adoption and continued expansion, enter our enterprise book of business because of their size, growth, and maturity. So overall, our posture towards enterprises is very intentional. We're staffing the organization to be really good at it, but we remain an horizontal company that serves multiple industry and, uh, uh, and, and multiple uh, sizes of enterprises. Thank you for that. For that. That's um, very helpful. And just secondly, for me, you know, being hearing from you know, some other SaaS companies that it was a bit of a slower than normal summer with elevated you know vacations and the like obviously you didn't see any slowdown in in your sales production but curious for your general take on the operating environment that you saw in q3 uh, we, we we know seasonality we we understand the sort of the market motions in different geographies according to different months and and this year was uh, was no different frankly um um, we've seen, you know, it, there was a huge return to uh, getting out of the house and uh, having a normal life in, in, in many places. And what we've seen is a reflection. But again, our ability to deliver a record, record ARR performance and continue to grow strong pipeline, we believe is a testament to how solid we are 
and how versatile our offering is, and it's irregardless of the environment, whether people are in office or they are remote. Uh, we believe uh, satisfies both scenarios, and, and we've seen that in the numbers. Great, congrats on the strong results. Thank you. Thank you. We will now take the next question from Richard Tue from National Bank Financial. Yes, uh, thank you. Uh, in regards to these uh, enterprise wins, uh, my, my guess, and this is just a guess, is that the absolute uh, dollars to acquire those customers is probably higher. But on a relative basis, you know, let's say, you know, on a per dollar of ARR, are they higher or lower, or are they about the same as the as your remaining base? Yeah, uh, I, I, Richard, I would say in terms of the dollar acquisition for the the higher enterprise customers, I, I don't think there's a significant jump in terms. In, and if you if you kind of do the math around our CAC ratio, looking at the sales and marketing expense over the ARR that we add in the quarter, uh, that's tracking relatively uh, consistent. So I think part of part of the story that Alessio spoke to earlier is. We continue to, uh, you know, one, one of the ways we continue to expand the ACV is landing and expanding that book of business within the customer base. And, and so we've been very efficient in doing that. Um, but in overall landing enterprise customers, you know, we're, we're relatively um, efficient in our CAC ratios. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's a much higher cost to acquiring those customers. <clears throat> okay. And I, I, I yeah, guess, and, you know, and there is also probably, there is also probably a factor of uh, sales organization maturity. I mean, we have onboarded and invested a lot in sales and marketing uh, over the past year, and now these incredible talents uh, which we have in the organization uh, are uh, gaining confidence, uh, are trained also thanks to the Chebo to sell our products, uh, to pitch correctly, to position correctly, to identify customer needs. So it's a mix of uh, factors. Uh, and, and part of this factor are all the investments that we made and we are continuously making to strengthen our uh, team and our organization. Okay, great. And then uh, so my second question, you know, relative to sort of growth, I, I don't know if you want to use sort of uh, ACV or a, a, uh, annual recurring revenue, but if you look at the growth, can you maybe share with us, you know, uh, the split in terms of the contribution of that growth, where it's coming from, whether it's new or, or from existing expansions here? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you look at the ACV, <clears throat> Richard, I, mean, I would say the primary driver for the growth in ACV, and if you, I think the numbers you would have seen on the new book, it's gone up from forty $46,000 within the quarter to almost $60,000. I would say the primary driver for the continuation of growth in ACV is the size of use case for our Dochoebo Learn product. And whether it's at department level or organizational level, what we are seeing is the complexity and the hybrid application of our platform in solving our customers' needs is really what's driving the increase in ACV. And, and maybe a bit more color, as I think Alexia spoke about the new products. You know, some of the products have just been launched in the past few weeks, in the past quarter. So it's, it's, they haven't been a big driver in Q3. And I think we need to bear that in mind because uh, as they've been launched very recently, but we certainly think, you know, we're, we're off, you know, we're positive on, on those launches and we have a strategy that Alessio alluded to at the start of the call. And so, you know, um, we'll factor the, or, or report any progress on that as we kind of get some more data in the, in the near future. 
Okay, appreciate that. Thank you. We will now take the next question from Paul Steve from Scotia Capital. Great morning. Can you maybe just talk to how much of that enterprise channel has been driven by either OEM partners or has it been primarily direct last year when you've been picking up these wins? And then maybe the second part of this, we talked lots about it, but I guess I'm just trying to understand why now. What What's driven this change that's sort of lifted hybrid? Obviously, you're getting multi-department or bigger wins. Is it just simply profile or has there been another, any other changes you maybe made up to even a year ago that you're now seeing the fruits of? Thanks. Paul, thank you. Great, great questions on the OEM front uh, versus direct. Uh, direct remains our largest, largest uh, contributor, contributor in terms of revenue ads. OEM is a business that we started building and we, we have some incredible partnerships that continue to bear on fruits. Uh, they are according to our uh, expectations and we have plans to continue to grow that business. Um, um, you know, again, the, the biggest contributor, uh, but more than, more than 50% is, uh, is the direct channel um, in the form of new logo and upsell extensions both. Um, when it comes to, to the why now, why, why are these uh, organizations coming to the table with more need? Um, it's not a now a trend, Paul. We, we believe this trend has been an underlying trend, largely underserved for a long time. The Chevo started selling, in fact, their first initial, uh, what we would call hybrid today, uh, customers, you know, five, six years ago. But the market wasn't, wasn't quite there yet. Um, and we've continued to invest in this technology. We've become, over time, we've got, gained a competitive edge over others. And our technology is now designed to satisfy that use case to a, a degree of flexibility and depth that perhaps other vendors are, are not there. Um, we think that there's a market posture that is also reinforced by the need of organizations to do a better job at retaining their employees. We live in a great resignation world. Companies have to do extra work to keep their people happy, trained, motivated, and upskilled. And, and on the flip side, we live in a subscription economy. And when that happens, you need to do the same exact thing that you do with your employees, with your customers. Our technology is prime for both those scenarios. And, and enterprises across all verticals are understanding that. So we believe that fundamentally, we're seeing just the maturity of a trend that initiated a long time ago. It meets our technology capabilities, and it's in an environment, uh, the one of the market, that just supports the needs for that. Yeah, and uh, let's not take for granted uh, that all the industry understands that training uh, is not only internal training and, uh, and is an HR uh, duty. Because most of the organization, and that's what we are learning, speaking with many big uh, strategic vendors in several kind of conversation, is uh, that they continuously think that learning is an HR thing due to uh, make training for compliance, soft skills, and language training. So there, there are companies, quarter over quarter, that are realizing that their vision of uh, 
online of learning, of training, was old school and outdated. And this is helping us because we are pitching a different story since the year. And, and Paul, I'll just add one point to it. I think if you think about the environment out there from a labor market perspective, and I let you touch upon, upon this, our, our learning suite and, and our platform is one of the most cost-effective ways to engage employees, improve their efficiency, but most, and one of the most important problems out there is to decrease attrition in what we're seeing out there in the, in the market. So that is also something to be factored in as, as customers think about solving and engaging their, their employee needs as well as their customer needs. <clears throat> All right, I'll, one last very quick one, uh, promise. Just um, if we think about moving, because you highlighted that you didn't get large, any sort of whale deals in the quarter. Should we now be thinking that the time to full deployment in an enterprise has materially shrunk? That like you're going in with larger deals and that we now should see full deployments much faster than we might have thought about. Thank you. Um, every, every customer has his own use case and uh, every use case is unique. Uh, so there is no uh, a recipe to think that uh, some deployment is faster or some deployment is longer. And um, uh, what we are seeing is that uh, the more the LMS is integrated inside the enterprise software stack, the more we need to integrate. That said, we are working to help our customers to integrate better Docebo with others. And this quarter, we launched Docebo Connect, which is a pre-built integration containing probably more than 400, we call it recipes, that are pre-built integration with many other software. But um, this, this is not shortening materially the deployment, the onboarding, and the launch of the project, but is increasing the data that we can trade inside and outside the table thanks to integration gateways. And Paul, I would just add to this, we were extremely pleased with the increase. If you, if the, the, in my remarks, I noted the fact that almost half the net ARR ad this quarter were deals over six figures. And if you look at the quantity, it gives us the consistency and, and we're penetrating into the next level in a nice fashion. I think we are extremely pleased to continue to build on that success. Thank you. We will now take the next question from Martin Toner from ATB Capital Markets. Please go ahead. Hey, uh, thanks a lot for taking the question and congrats on uh, good numbers, guys. Um, question is, uh, you guys, uh, ARR, incremental ARR was around 10 million for the second uh, quarter in a row. Is there any reason why that's a ceiling or are, is, you know, are the, are the pieces in place for you guys to uh, continue to increase incremental ARR uh, quarter after quarter? Mm, um, Martin, uh, thank you for your compliments, first of all, and, and we, 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 you know, conceptually, we, are, we, we see no ceilings. We, we believe uh, we are designing the organization to continue to perform and perform 
um, all together, we had plans and, and the results we're, we're um, bringing to the table are consistent with our plans. Um, our plans are to continue to grow that top line ARR. And um, uh, our plans are to continue to succeed along the lines of what we've just discussed. We, we don't believe there's a reason why we shouldn't be seeing that 10 million number uh, continue to grow in the future. Um, we, I'm not trying to be cautious in any way, but I would say just that this is not a, um, um, this is a reflection of what we had planned today and, and we'll continue to plan for improved performance in the future. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll leave it to that. Yeah, and uh, on, on top of that, uh, we, we really believe that uh, consistency is one of our key values. So I don't like spikes. I don't like 10, 30, and minus 20. I, I like uh, 10, 11, 12, and, 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 go, and so on. Uh, that said, we internally, we do have three leverage, three pillars to increase the ARR. One is our comfort zone, our love, which is our element, which is uh, living with me since 17 years. So, and it's, it's, it's also it's my second son. Whatever. I have a daughter and then I have another one. Let's say that the second is the OEM. OEM is an incredible uh, product uh, and we are uh, working to get more partners working on OEM, but also different ways to pitch the OEM. Don't forget that we launched the Ducebo Plot, which is another way to have uh, Ducebo embedded everywhere. Uh, that there is a standard terminology, which is learning in the flow work. And the third one are the new uh, sons and daughters we have, which are our new products, learning analytics, uh, shape, uh, impact, uh, and, and, and all uh, the new ideas we are working on. So uh, the, the future for Docebo is an execution of, an, of, a, of a mixed strategy and not making only one bet on our comfort zone or an only one bet in uh, innovation that uh, need, still need to prove if they are working or not. And Martin, I'll add one more to Claudia, what Claudia said. The other area that we continue to work on, as you know, is geographical expansion. We've opened sure, it up. Exactly. And, and, and so as we think about, you know, um, we acquired for Metros, we've now got momentum in France. We've opened an office in Germany and built that from ground up. And there are areas in the world that we haven't tapped yet, and that will be another area of focus from growth perspective. Great, guys. Thank you very much for that. That's all for me. Thank we you. Will now Thank you we will now take our next question from Robert Young from Canaccord Genuity. Please go ahead. So in, in a case where your ARR is growing going forward. Do you see that you need to expand your sales function by, um, by materially, or um, do you see your current sales function as uh, sufficient to kind of grow at this order? Uh, um, <clears throat> uh, great question on, on growth of the sales function. We, we continue to grow the company organically ac across the board uh, from uh, um, engineering uh, product services. And for sure, there's consideration about continuing to invest and grow in sales, notwithstanding that 
uh, every time we add um, uh, a sales function, we um, contextually uh, grow our demand capabilities. But you know, you know, our focus really is we believe that we've reported, I believe, 2,600 customers. It is, it is really important for us to continue to delight our customers, to make sure that our customers have the best service in the industry. We really think about that day and night and, and, and try to implement the strategies that lead to that happening. And those are not in sales alone. They're, they're across the board in the company, really. Now, when, when we think about growth and what Claudio said um, um, just now in the prior questions, you know, we're distributing our success across a few um, growth vectors. And, and one of those, uh, uh, if you will, is also the, our ability to continue to grow our customers' penetration. In order to do that, an investment which we believe will be accelerated uh, is validated by our learnings and is to continue to increase our share of wallet in our base. Um, we, we believe our install base or our existing customers uh, deserve more coverage, which will in turn allow us to have a more, if you will, the field effort and capability in uh, in in our base because because we have more stories to tell we have now we have more problems that we can solve with great technology and uh, it would be it would be a um, you know it would be a pity not um, taking that opportunity and and therefore we're planning accordingly so absolute more coverage in the base um, at all levels sales support customer experience is what we aim for. That's that's really helpful. Thank you. And just on a second question, I was just wondering if you know the inbound that you're seeing from enterprise customers and the overall demand for LMS and learning has the velocity of cross-sell kind of increased. Have you seen that that, that the chasm to you know cross-sell your your modules and your modules uh, yeah. to customers? Um, have you seen that sales cycle come uh, kind of uh, reduce? Yeah. Yeah. We. What, what, it is it is true across the board that, that every <clears throat> upsell or cross sell uh, um, uh, sales cycle has a huge benefit of having um, a, a much higher velocity when compared to a new logo cycle. Look, it is no secret you're not going to go in most instances through a new contract uh, uh, negotiation that are terms are pre-established that is already a customer that has given you faith and if they're interested in buying more, it, it, you know, they already have that. Whereas when you first meet somebody, you have to win that trust and faith. So there are psychological elements that result into that and, and the facts and the numbers confirm your hypothesis, hypothesis and intuition. So we love the upsell cross-sell business also because of the velocity element, um, which is again though a result of our investments in customers' experience. And I, continue to underscore that because in, you know, our desire is for our customers to rave about us publicly, to say that we're the best at what we do, and we're working very hard to accomplish that. That's very helpful. Thanks for taking my questions. We will now take the next question from Philip Vetis from Bernberg Capital Markets. Good morning, guys. Can you provide some more color on how the OEM partnerships are performing? How much of the revenue for the quarter came from the OEMs? How is Ceridian performing? And how does the pace of the MHR ramp compare to the earlier days of Ceridian? Thanks. 
Thanks. Uh, morning, Philip. Zulkarn uh, here. I'll, I'll speak to the overall OEM. So when we when you think about Ceridian and, and firstly, I'll start with Ceridian. We're, we're continue to be very pleased with how we're performing with Ceridian. And, and, and as you know, it's, it's a, a meaningful contributor to our growth story. But when I think about the other OEMs and I would call it alliance partners that we signed in the past few quarters, uh, I'll start with MHR. We signed MHR, uh, I think probably a year or so ago now. And as we kind of continue to stay in the same story around Ceridian, you know, with patients and working with our partners in implementing the solution uh, that they uh, provide to their customers, that patience over time pays dividends. And we're seeing that in MHR, which is now becoming a meaningful contributor towards the growth in our ARR. And, and when I think about the, uh, the alliances and OEMs that we signed uh, in, the, in the past few quarters, you know, that patience and those dividends uh, you know, with patients, we'll see some of those dividends come through in the in the next uh, in the you know early part of next year uh, is what what we think. All that said, I think the other factor that we we also still see today is that you know our solution solves for multiple as you, uh, multiple verticals, multiple use cases, and so it's not just from an HCM perspective. As you know, we signed an IT service managed provider and other and sales enablement providers. We actually do see a, a, a really good pipeline of future alliances and OEMs that we can partner with. So uh, we are optimistic in, in, in this area. <clears throat> Thank you. As there are no further questions, I would like to hand the call back to Claudio for any closing remarks. Thank you guys uh, for staying with us for another quarter. Uh, let's meet uh, Q4. Okay. Have a nice, uh, have, have a nice day and uh, happy Christmas because I think that the next one will be after Christmas. Yeah, happy, happy holiday. Thank you. That will conclude today's conference call. Thank you for your participation, ladies and gentlemen. You may now disconnect. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.